As I was recording this podcast with Melissa Wright, her stories about her book, Inspired Moments That Matter, actually reminded me of a, a, a lyric from a song by Macklemore called Growing Up that makes me think of my own kids. And it, it's this, and I wanted to start off the podcast with this, is that you put the work in, don't worry about the praise, my love. Don't try to change the world. Find something that you love and do it every day. Do that for the rest of your life, and eventually the world will change. And I just love that because it encourages people to find their passions, knowing that that the things that we do, if we're excited about it, if we are passionate about the things that we learn and that we share with the world, that actually inspires people not to necessarily do the thing that you're doing, but to find their own passions. And that's why I love this conversation with Melissa Wright. She talks about this in her book. She talks about it in the podcast. She's an incredible teacher from uh, Eastern Canada, from New Brunswick. Uh, I know you're going to love this. I want you to check out her book as well. It's in the description down below. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your passion for the work that you do. I hope you enjoy this. Another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Hey everyone, this is George Kroos. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I am so blessed to have Melissa Wright, who is a math teacher slash dance teacher, which is totally, every, when I think math teacher, I'm like, well, obviously they teach dance. That's like totally connection, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And so um, Melissa is actually the author of a book called Inspired Moments That Matter. She is from, I have to make sure that I wrote it down because I always get Newfoundland and New Brunswick mixed up, which is like, <laughs> I don't know why that happens to me. Uh, she's from New Brunswick, which is very east coast of Canada. So, Melissa, if you could just kind of introduce yourself um, to everybody, tell us, you know, what you do today, how you got there, uh, and just a little bit about your, your background. That's a great place to start. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm a high school teacher at... Cannabacasis Valley High School in Quispamsis, New Brunswick. Say that three times fast. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know you said it one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just starting my 18th year here. It's it's an amazing school, 1,100 kids. Um, East Coast of Canada is just beautiful. Uh, but, you know, my teaching career really started back in the dance studio. So as, as mm. you had mentioned, George, uh, teach dance. And when I was 13, I started assisting uh, classes and then by the time I was 16, I was teaching classes on my own for the dance studio that I have been going to since I was three years old. Uh, so when, you know, it came time to decide what I wanted to do for me, I was like, no question. Teaching is, right. is what I wanted to do. But then it was like, well, what do I teach? Because I like dance a lot. But then I was like, well, I really like math. So let's do that, too. Um, so I, you know, went to university here in New Brunswick and got my my teaching degree and was so lucky graduated in July of 2005 and the day after graduation had an interview and the next day had a job. So it was said to be a good time wow. to graduate when, when I was hired. Um, and, you know, I teach math and dance and a lot of times people do think that is a strange combination, right. but for me, you know, dance has always been a part of my life. And I think it's important for us to show students that, you know, we do have other parts of our lives besides the specific subject that we teach and with the dance curriculum, unfortunately, we don't have a, a dance curriculum written for the whole province, which because I think physical movement and and that sort of thing is so important for everyone, you know, for your not only your physical health, but your mental health as well. And I, you know, wrote a curriculum and had it approved by our, our province to have it run here at our school. And it's so much fun because the kids get to see me in a different light. You know, I'm, I'm a classically trained dancer, you know, tap, jazz, ballet. Um, contemporary, all that stuff. But the funnest part of the course is I have a vice principal at my school, 
and I'm five ten and a half, so I'm fairly tall, and he's about five foot four. And he learned bachata, which is a Latin partner dance from previous relationship. Oh, really? yeah. yeah, so he taught me, and now he comes in and guest teaches that whole unit with me. We do a whole unit on it with the students. So they get quite a kick out of it, not only because of our height difference, but because it's like they get to see their vice principal in a different light. And the kids, it's always right. their favorite unit. And it would have been class of 2019, I believe, loved it so much. They did it as a flash mob at prom. So yeah, it's super, super fun. Um, but it, you know, I only, that runs once, we have so many courses here, which we're very lucky. So dance only runs once a year, one semester. I have it second semester this year. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, teach mostly grade 11 and 12 math. And just, you know, so lucky to get to, to do what I love every day, as well as I get to work with students outside of the classroom with our Renaissance team here at KVHS. Mm -hmm. um, so those students, you know, work to celebrate and improve our school culture and climate as well as I'm the current president of the New Brunswick Student Leadership Association. We'll be very shortly moving into the past president role. Okay. And yeah, and also the Renaissance champion, Johnson's Renaissance champion for Canada. So if anybody's interested in learning more, they can reach out to me. Okay, so actually, you know, when you were talking about this, I saw, people don't know this, I used to teach math too. So I actually taught oh. school math and the kids were, would always make fun of me because I would talk about like how, you know, I everything I'd be like, yeah, well, blah, 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 because math is patterns, right? Like I would say that, and I would, like, I would use that. And they're like, oh, right, Mr. Crows, because math is patterns, right? And I would talk about this with dance. Yeah. And actually, when I was a principal, um, it was a K to six school. And we, I wanted to bring in this hip hop uh, dance program into the school. And they would actually work with the kids and they would actually teach them a routine and they were going to perform the routine at the end of their time together. And it was like, people were, the kids were like, Oh, this is stupid. Like, I can't believe we're, we're doing this. And yeah. by the end, they thought it was like amazing. Like they, yeah. they loved it. And like a lot of kids actually went on, uh, you know, to like, you know, continue with dancing after mm -hmm. that, not necessarily like, you know, uh, you know, taking classes or anything like that, but you know, YouTube kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And I actually had to justify it to my superintendent and I use math as yeah. The, like, yeah, this is like teaching patterns to kids and you know, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And it was actually one of the most uh there there's songs that they like they basically said, here's the song we're doing and we're gonna have like a routine to this by the end. And I like Still, that was, oh my God, it was like 13, 14 years ago. I still hear those songs and it lights me up every time thinking about those kids. And I like start doing moves. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. doing like, yeah, that was, that's awesome. Like, I, I love that. Um, so, hey, tell us a little bit about some of the student leadership stuff that you do. Because that, that's something I'm really uh, interested in. So, like, what's some of the stuff that I know you've worked with Jostens. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to speak there several years ago. And they, they run like, it, it's like oh. crazy it's phenomenal uh, energy in that room. So like, tell us a little bit about some of that stuff that you're doing right now. Yeah. So um, we have a Renaissance team. So that's my, my biggest involvement with student leadership. Um, and you know, our students, they, they plan basically everything that we do and they run our events. And, but we, the thing I love about our team is that we don't run it in terms of like a student council, because a lot of times with student council, there's elections to get onto the team. And with our team, there's no elections. Anybody can join that wants to make a difference in our school. And sometimes kids are like, well, you know, I'm not like your what they call, quote unquote, typical leader. Right. You know, I'm not the one that's out front that wants to be rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. We're like, yeah, but we need you. Like, 
Are you the person that wants to run everything behind the scenes to make sure the people are front are, are doing okay? We need you. Like, right. are you the person that has artistic ability? You come to our posters and design our shirts and, and all that stuff. So we're always constantly trying to pull in all the different types of leaders to show these kids. It does not matter what your background or your passion is. There is a position for you in leadership, right? So they can help identify that early on, but at the same time, showing them that you are making a difference in your school by, you know, doing these recognitions events for students and staff and, you know, these little things that are improving people's day to improve the school, the school culture and climate of our building here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they actually, so it's funny that you say that. I was in uh, West Dallas, Milwaukee and uh, Deidre Raymer, who Deidre is a very good friend of mine, incredible leader. Give her a <laughs> shout out. Um, they actually, um, they did something really unique and interesting that day. They had, um, they had basically for their opening day, they had student performances um, as part of their opening day. And then they actually, then instead of like just having the staff sit in an auditorium for three hours, they actually said, okay, let's, let's see some of the, the, the impact of your work. So they actually had student displays um, nice. outside and then the teachers walked around, checked it out. It was like really phenomenal, just great energy. But one of the things that you triggered in my memory when I was there that was really interesting was this play that they actually did. It was like a musical thing. And the kids were phenomenal. Like they were so good at it. But the thing that kind of struck out to me that I was like, I don't know if anyone's like the lighting that they were doing was so phenomenal. And mm -hmm. I was like, who's doing the lighting? I remember asking Deidre that. She's like, oh, the kids run that too. And it's like, they, it's like a lot of these things that we don't necessarily put in the spotlight, you know, uh, for lack of a better term in this, in this instance, um, does actually make a huge difference. Like the lighting actually was a huge part of that. And those kids were really excited to be a part of that, but they, they probably had no interest in being on the stage, but yeah. they wanted to make that better. And I think that's, that's where I, I kind of, I, I love, uh, you know, some of that impact. What, what do you see is like, you know, some of the, the after effect of this, you know, some of these students being a part of this program, what do you see them, you know, when they leave school, how do you see that actually having an impact? Um, well, I think a lot of times that when they leave school and they go to post-secondary, they think that because they weren't involved, you know, in the typical mm -hmm. model for, for student council or student leadership that they're not going to have the same opportunities right? Um, or be recognized with scholarships and that sort of thing the same way. I'm like, no, guys, it doesn't matter. Leadership is leadership. Right. Um, and, you know, we've had so many students that, you know, I have one that just actually started her teaching career um, this fall. And she's like, I can't wait to start this in my school. That's so, awesome. so to see that ripple effect of her seeing the value of it when she was here um, to want to pass it along to her students. A couple of years ago, I had a student um, sent me an email and, and said, you know, I don't know if you remember me. I was part of your Renaissance team when I was at KBHS. Of course, I remember her. Um, but she said, I just wanted to send you a little update to let you know how, you know, life is going now. And she had just been recognized with, uh, she was a national science coordinator for her university. And I guess they give an award for across Canada. And I, fortunately, the name of the award slips my mind. But right. she said, I just wanted to let you know I'd been selected for that. And it was important for me to reach out and express my gratitude um, for all that you had done for me while I was part of part of the Renaissance team. And she said, you know, I, there was lessons and things that I had learned there that I didn't realize I was going to need in later in life and skills that you taught me. So, you know, her reaching out for that, the gratitude piece is, is huge for us. Um, just to know that what we did made a small impact on, on her. Cause sometimes you don't think like, you know, them sitting in your room at lunchtime, cutting things out or like, 
you know, organizing certain things is making a difference, but they are learning skills that they're going to take with them wherever they go. I, you know, I think we, I think that's something I always try to highlight is a lot of the stuff that I do today, uh, you know, in my work, in my leadership, it had to do with the things outside of the classroom. Like, of course, the, you know, with learning, you know, how to read and write, those are very important skills. But, you know, my ability to speak, I attribute to my elementary music teacher, Cindy Penrose, right? My views on leadership had a lot to do with my coaches uh, in school who taught me about leadership and, you know, working with other people. And so, like, there's so many of those things are, I think, so valuable that we kind of downplay in some ways mm -hmm. in education. And maybe sometimes the outside forces actually downplay that. But they have such an impact. And there's so many, you know, really powerful qualities um, it develops in our students. And that's one of the things I love about kind of being at that um, that that event. And, I, you know, Dwight Carter is a very good friend of mine. I'm sure you know Dwight through yes. uh, the Joss and stuff as well. Um, he just thinks it's the most phenomenal thing every, every year. So uh, it, it is pretty cool to see. So here I got a question for you as a struggling math student. Let's okay. see. Let's, let's give some of the practical teaching advice. So you have a kid in your classroom at the high school level, I'm sure you see this all the time, who mm -hmm. struggles with math. Um, what what are some of the things that you try to develop in that student to, to help them see potential? And is it okay if a student walks out of your class not knowing math? As, maybe I, I'm gonna put you on the spot there. Uh, that's, to me, that that is okay. I understand right. that math is is not for everybody. And I tell my kids that, like I know math, not everybody's crazy like me and loves math, right? Like, right. Um, and, you know, if somebody had to plunk me into like a history class, that would probably be a bad thing because right. that is not my strong suit. Right. Um, we all have our, our different things. Um, but for those for those struggling math kids, for me, the biggest thing is to build their confidence right. because a lot of times that's what it is. And, you know, whether that be a positive word or, you know, putting a sticker on their test, you know, sometimes we, we do this, I shouldn't say sometimes, every month, part of our Renaissance team, we do an academic excellence board and teachers can submit names of students, any student, doesn't matter. We don't ask why, just for their academic efforts. And I remember a particular student, her name was Catherine. Um, she was in my math class. It was the third time she had to take this math class and school was not her favorite, um, but especially math. <laughs> and she, it was second semester and, you know, she was we were getting along great. She was doing so well and she was passing this time and everything was going awesome. And her mom and her came to see me at parent teacher. And we, in our school, we set up our tables in our cafeteria area in our upper lobby. And my table is always across from our academic excellence board. And all of the, it is every month, just so you know, the names that the teachers send in that they want to recognize for academics. So students, we have a theme and we put them on like a little shape. So I think that was March. So we had like a gold pot with the gold coins. So all the names were on these gold circles. And I was talking to her mom and her at parent teacher and the conversation was wrapping up. I said, oh, before you go, Catherine, make sure you check the board. Your name is over there. She's like, what? I said, yeah, your name is up there on that board. And her mouth dropped. You could not have seen a kid get up quicker out of that seat to run across the hall to look and find her name. And then her mom, of course, comes over and she finds her circle. She's standing there pointing at the circle. And her mom takes her picture with her cell phone. Like, that just gave that girl so much confidence to get through to the end of the year. And it all like to us, we think sometimes it's just a piece of cardboard or a piece of cardstock or a piece of paper. But to those kids, sometimes it means so much more. So, okay. I love that. The, the other thing that I really connect with, and I'm so, 
I'm so grateful you said this is that about you using the analogy of history. Cause if you flip that, I would mm-hmm. be the kid in the history class who would have loved it and hated the math class. Right. And, right. and there was a lot of it, um, where there's nothing. You, I hate saying this cause, but it's true. There's nothing you could do to get me to like certain subjects and math would have been kind of high on the list at the high school level. Now, if I, if I, you know, wanted to be around you it, then it's easier to be but if you were like right. on my case i'm like look i'm not actually ever gonna like this there's a, i'm not taking this because i want to you're forcing me to take this because of graduation requirements so right. I actually i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little confession here <laughs> you can't like this is a true story and i i want i want to get your, your intake so in alberta where i taught mm-hmm. they had like you had to take a certain level of math to graduate. So if you didn't have this, you could not graduate high school, right? Yeah. So there is a student who her, it was, I taught it. It was the, um, basically, I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, it was like the lowest level math you could take, right? But if you mm-hmm. took it and gra- you got, and you've passed it, it was enough to graduate. So her abilities were way beyond this class, but she was not gonna do anything in math or whatever. And so like she could have done the, she could have done everything when she walked in. Right. And she would skip my class all the time. And I actually, I didn't really have an issue with it. Like I didn't have an issue with it. Cause she would, when I had to do assessments, she'd show up, she'd get a hundred percent on everything she ever did. And she, I basically, she like, she kind of talked me into it and saying like, Mr. Crows, I'm just actually here because I have, I'm not going to do anything in math. I don't want to do this. Um, you know, I can do this stuff. You really need me just kind of being here in this place every day when there's other things I could be doing with my time that are more beneficial just to, just to be here. And I'm like, you're kind of right. So I don't like, I kind of feel bad that I'm telling the story, but it is true. Right? Like it was like mm-hmm. a, it was a system thing, right? It wasn't like if she could they wouldn't allow her just to take the test and, and like, just get the grade. Right. She uh-huh. had to be there for a certain amount of hours, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I can't like, how can I argue with this kid? Like she's just sitting here bored. She doesn't want to take it. It's like a graduation requirement. She knows all the stuff. So like, did I do the right thing? Or like, I know, I know you're not like encouraging people to get kids to skip class. But I really, I like, I still like when you brought that up, I was like, oh my God, like I still struggle with this a little bit because like she didn't do anything bad during that time. She knew all of her stuff. She knew what the requirements were to graduate. She's done very well in her life. Not, she's not a math professor because she has no interest in doing any math, but you know, so, so. Well, think of that situation. I'm well, the, the thing of it is, like, if I have students like that that have missed lots of time and they write the assessments and they pass, yeah, I don't really see that as as much different. Um, the the you know, as long as they have met the curriculum outcomes, then they can right. get the credit for the course. And we are lucky here at our school; we do what something was called challenge for credit. So in her case, she could have wrote the exam for the course, and if she scored. I can't, I don't know exactly what her level is, but at a certain score, then she could have, you know, got the credit for it and had to move on. Just on on challenge for credit. Yes. <laughs> That's how it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so good. giving those students that they realize like, you know, this is something that I'm good at that I excel at. Can I have that opportunity to, to show that and move on? Cause like there could have been another course that 
she had wanted to take based off of whatever she was looking to go into, right? In her interests. Okay, so what you're saying is I was ahead of my time. I think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Without, you just didn't call it challenge for credit, right? <laughs> right, right, but I was ahead of my time, right? Yeah, because yeah, like I remember that distinctly and I was like, oh, should I be doing this and stuff like that? But like, she knows all this stuff and it is ridiculous like that they're making yeah. her sit here like and she's just doing it just to, so she can graduate but she knows yeah. all the stuff right like yeah. she i honest to god like they put me in that class to teach it like as like we have no one else it wasn't like oh he's really good at this and i was like this kid knows more than me and i'm like you know whatever anyway so yeah okay but i mean it's, it's like i even give students the opportunity to like if a student kind of going the other way has has um been there but they do very poorly you right. know i always tell them the final exam is your last opportunity to show me what you did right. so my exam is chunked up by unit so like if you do better on the quadratic right. unit on the exam i'm going to replace your test mark with that mark right. right so they should in my opinion they yeah. should have multiple ways and and to show that they know their stuff yeah well, it's good because i like that's kind of you know it's like the the parachute packing analogy right like yeah, mm -hmm. i'm sure are you sure you've heard that before where like yeah. basically, you know, you don't do averages, you know, who who can actually do it 100% of the time by the end, right? That's who you're trusting right. the most, not, you know, like who's hit and miss with your parachute kind of thing. So I, I can't, I can't remember if that's a Rick Warmly thing. Okay. So let's talk about now that we admit I was right and I was ahead of my time. Let's get back to, uh, let's get, let's talk about your book, Inspired Moments That Mattered. And you, you actually wrote this with, uh, is it Road to Awesome, Darren uh, Peppered? Yes, publishing company yes. and Darren and Darren I've actually is very wonderful person I've met him mm -hmm. uh, I don't so this is the thing with social media right I I know I, I saw him this summer uh when we saw each other in Florida because everyone's yes. coming to Florida right just yeah. hanging out in Florida hanging out <laughs> at Disney um yeah so I saw him there too and it was like I I remember I think I had a conversation with him saying like have we met? Cause I don't know if we've met, but I know you, but like, it's like social media blurs everything. And especially the last two years, like, yeah. I don't know what's going on with anything. Very, very nice person. And I'm sure, um, you know, awesome. I'm sure you connect through there, but tell us a little bit about your book, uh, what it's, what it's about and mm -hmm. what you kind of hope it inspires. Um, so inspired moments that matter is, um, it's my journey as an educator so far, but it's also about those, um, tiny moments that have, you know, contributed to our school culture and climate and have, you know, some moments that have made me stop. The last chapter I will tell you is, is related to school, but it's all about my mom because I lost my mom in 2020 to cancer. So, um, you know, she had said something to me and it really this whole line, I think kind of really, I hate to use the word inspired because I feel like I'm using it every other word, but right. inspired me to do the book because um, I remember it was a Jan uh, cold January, of course, cold in New Brunswick, right? And um, we're sitting at her house and we're, you know, she she was, you know, kind of coming to the end of her 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 journey with cancer and uh, sharing a cup of tea and just chatting back and forth. And she was telling me about this doctor that she'd had that had been following her and had stopped or mom had seen her in the in the office and she must have had a note in her file or something. And she said, oh, I didn't know that you did painting and art because my mom, you know, would do that when she was feeling well enough to. Mm -hmm. And the doctor had said, um, you know, my mom started talking about all the stuff that she was doing and that the doctor was like, oh, wow, that's really wonderful. So then a few weeks later, the doctor stopped at the house to see to see my mom and had told her that, 
she had inspired her to start painting and 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 mm. doing all these creations and was showing my mom the pictures and my mom turned to me and I'll never forget it and she said I didn't think I could inspire anyone mm. like that was such an impactful moment to me right. as first of all as her daughter to think wow did she not think that I didn't like she didn't inspire me as her like as her daughter and to just to think that a simple conversation that she had with this medical professional that needed, you know, an outlet for her high stress job, that it would make such a difference to her. Right. Um, I think, you know, that's a big thing as an educator that we need to, to know that you are inspiring others and the things that you do are inspiring every day, even though you might not hear about it or you might never hear about it. It is making a difference to someone, whether that be students or colleagues in your building. So there's actually a song by uh, Macklemore. And, it, and I remember this, there's a, and I actually think of my, it's about, I think it's about his daughter. Um, and it said, you know, like, like find the things you love and that will make the, that that's what makes the world change. And it's kind of like, you know, your passion for math. I know as much as it seems like your passion for math, it probably inspires people to be passionate, maybe about math, but maybe about other things too, right? right. And it becomes contagious in that process, right? So I just, I, I love that story because just finding passion in things that we do um, can inspire people to, you know, uh, like, hey, I, I started this, right? Writing that book. So I, I, I do got to ask you this. So, um, you know, uh, we, we run a publishing company. We have people that are aspiring authors. I know people that listen to the podcast. Um, they've written books. Like what was... Like what was like one of the best things about writing a book and what was like one of the hardest things? Um, the best thing was getting to reflect and on all the different things that I've encountered throughout my, my journey as an educator so far mm -hmm. and to see how far I've come and how like certain moments when at the time I might, I might've thought, Oh my goodness, why did that happen? Or, or been kind of upset with what happened, but upon reflection thinking, wow, if that moment had not happened, I would not be the person I am today. Right. So really taking that time to reflect on how far I've come and, you know, the different things that were important to me throughout my journey. Uh, one of the hardest things would be probably, wow, the hardest thing is, you know, making sure that when you're writing the story that your voice is coming through the way you want it to. I feel right. that it's been really hard because I feel like people that know me, if they read it, could probably almost hear me saying the words. But Right. It's when someone that hasn't met you before is reading it. You want to make sure that, you know, your message is coming in through in, in a positive way and how you want it to come through. So I think that's probably one of the hardest things. And also to time, trying to juggle the the time of, of getting the writing in when it's something that you enjoy. Well, it's kind of like a kind of a neat intersection because I, I one of the things that I'm very passionate about and thinking a lot more about lately is are we actually when we're talking about like student leadership, are we trying to develop kids to parrot the voice of the adults or to find their own? And I think a lot of times in social media, um, we feel compelled to say things that we think people want to hear, not necessarily mm -hmm. reflections of what we truly believe and what we want. And I think that a lot of times when people say like, hey, you need to use your voice. It's like, is that what you really mean? Or do yeah. you, need, you need me to say the thing you want me to say and just, you know, back you up? Because that's not the same thing. Right. Like we, we pretend one thing. And so, like, I think that's one of the beautiful things about writing is it is kind of finding your own voice in, in yourself. I, I, I'm curious about this when you're kind of going through this, because you said, you know, you learned a lot about yourself. One of the things I struggle when I and I still struggle with this when I write um, 
books, not blogs, because there's a difference in that space, right. is I feel that once it's on paper, there's a finality to it. And it's like, I, okay, well, now that I think this, like now it's like on basically on a tablet. And I struggle with that because, you know, I might think different in five years, but then it's going to be like in this book that somebody owns and I can't like go back and say, hey, update, like right. I'll blog, right? Like I got to kind of stick with it. Did you find any struggle with that? Like there's almost like, you know, there's like this, a constant growth we can show in these social media spaces, but there's almost feels like there's a little bit of finality in the book. And I, I still struggle mm -hmm. with that. Like, did you, did you feel that at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I did in a way, you know, I also feel like, cause a lot, I, like I said, I share a lot of ideas in the book mm -hmm. um, of different things that we do. And I was like, Oh, well now are people going to think like, Oh my goodness, she's always coming up with new ideas, right? Like right. of things that they're going to do. But a lot of times we do the same things because they work right? Or their tradition in our school. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a big thing. And also too, a, a big thing I struggled with was imposter syndrome, like huge, hugely, like, you know, I'm a math teacher. When I did my master's, I thought that would be the last paper I ever wrote. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, it, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the writing process. And I actually had someone say to me when I was writing the book, they're like, what? You're a math teacher. Why are you writing a book? Like, yeah. so I was like, oh, okay, well, because I, I want to write a book. But um, I think that they were just shocked that they didn't think that I that I had that. And, you know, a lot of times perspective is everything, right? You don't know everything about everybody. So hopefully they learned a little something about me, but um, that I enjoy writing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It, it's, it's, it's a process. It really is a process right. that takes you through a whole different aspect of your, of your life and, you know, what you believe. And it, there is, you are right. There is a, a finality to it when you put it on paper. Cause you're like, are people going to think that this is all that I am. Right? right. But I'm not just what's in the book. I'm so much more. Right. And that, that, um, that, that's interesting that somebody would say that to you. Right. And a mm -hmm. lot of times like, why do we say that? Right. It's yeah. probably like an insecurity in our own self to, like, oh, you're writing a book? Or like, you know, it's like, yeah. a, like a little backhanded compliment kind of thing, right? But um, I'm glad I'm glad you did. And I know that um, people probably listen to this podcast uh, are just just your idea, your your passion for what you do. I'm sure it like pours through the pages as well. And so I know I know that um, any books published by um, Road to Awesome, they're not like gonna be no offense the master's paper yeah. <laughs> which is like you know like i did my master's too and there's a reason you think it's gonna be your last thing because you never want to write again right? exactly like, yes wow, like i don't even want to read this so like no. right because it's like a, it's a different style of writing and i know that yeah. um the books are more conversational right mm -hmm. exactly. so um anyone that's listening if you actually just check out uh inspired moments that matter it is down in the the description down below you can also connect with melissa it's absolutely a joy to connect with you. Uh, I will be, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I could hear the East coast accent, which is my oh. favorite. Right? <laughs> People but, always say that, but I never hear uh, it. So well, I, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just like, you know, uh, I, I'm a Canadian, so it's, it's nice to, to hear. So, um, thanks everyone for listening. Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for staying after school. Uh, and doing this and even though we had a couple bells and stuff like that i don't like what's how come there's bells going on do you just get a prep at the end of the day is that what's happening well see it was uh one of the bells was to end the day and then there's another bell 10 minutes after that to dismiss the buses right it's like so. the bell get out 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Hey, everyone, make sure you connect with Melissa. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day.